Abed and all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, old man Grognard here. It is a quiet Sunday. I hope you're all doing well. And the topic for today is cantrips. I read a blog post by John Allen Large on the Red Dice Diaries talking about how he loves cantrips. And I've got to say, I'm right with you, John. That is the one thing, the one thing that I took from 5e because I will give them props for that. They got the cantrips right. Now, those of you who don't know, cantrips are small magics that wizards and even clerics can do that really don't amount to much, but they have do have some effect on the game. You see it in movies where wizards are always going around and like lighting candles with their finger or something, or, uh, oh, here, I want that potion, just waves his hand and it flies over to him, things like that. That's a cantrip. That's like minor, minor magics. That's the first thing that apprentices master before going on to the regular spells. And it's just a small amount of magical energy that anybody can do that knows how to do it. But doing cantrips in the earlier editions was always kind of a pain. First off, like things like basic and first edition, they didn't have those. And they were just, you know, they, they didn't do them. And I always thought that was wrong because... You know, if you're going to be a magic man like that, you got to kind of, you know, you know, show everybody your stuff in little ways anyway. And when 2nd edition came along, there was the spell Cantrip, and I think it was in 3.5 too. It was a first level spell, and I thought, well, that's a mistake too, because Cantrips take so little magical energy in the in the scheme of things, it takes so little magical energy, you should be able to throw these off whenever you want. And making it a first-level spell is not the way to go, to me. Because that takes up spell slot. These should not take up spell slots, as John said in his article. They should be ad hoc little things. And third, I don't know about fourth, but third edition, I think, had a variation of the same thing. It's been too long, and I don't really have the 3rd edition books anymore. 4th edition, I never got into, but 5th edition, my goodness, they got the cantrips right. Zero level spells. And the thing is, you can get, with cantrips, the way they have them in 5e, you can go a long way without even throwing, I mean, I've played sessions where I played a mage who had cantrips that I, for like sessions, in a row, I hardly threw a spell. I just, cantrips got us by because they tweaked things just enough to give us an advantage. Now, you have a chart just like, just like in, uh, just like in the other books that you have so many can't, what your level is, you get so many cantrips a day, it goes up in level, just like the regular spells, which is good. And the nice thing I like about cantrips is they can be effective in the game and in combat without overpowering it. I think it was pure genius 
with the offensive spells that most of them do not require to hit roll. On the other hand, it requires a target to make a save. And a save, in this case, is a lot easier to make than a to-hit roll. So, yes, you throw it, but does it affect? Does it affect the target? You won't know unless he blows his save. So, it's not auto-damage. It's not like Magic Missile. It's auto-damage. But you can... You can actually affect combat and do little damage, sometimes significant damage, but you, the the caster himself, does not have control over the spell. He controls throwing it. He does not control the effect. Now, in a normal spell, magic missile, like a fireball, you know, it's, you know, you throw one and done. You throw it in an area. Or some other kind, um, some other kind of some other kind of spell, like spiritual weapon, things like that. You throw it and you try and make the hit with it. So you have that. But on cantrips, when all the onus of making the making the roll is on the target, the target has a little more control over it. Not by much, because they still have to make the save, but they do have a little more control over it. Like Firebird, I think it was Flame Strike. Flame Strike. You throw it, target makes a save, nothing happens. Now, I'm coding off memory here, okay? So, but I like that aspect of it. I really do, because it makes the the wizard more versatile. At the same time, he's not over, being overshadowing everybody on this. They are actually a support, and it makes the wizard less squishy. Because you do have some protection spells in there. Me, I like doing like minor illusions and stuff. I like to do audio illusions. We've had, we've had great a great effect with those. I like those. Uh, we scared. We got a bunch of orcs out of. They were encamped. It was, there were like squad a couple of squads of orcs encamped, and they were all in tents. And we were trying to get them out of the tents so we could slaughter them basically. <laughs> And I said, well, let me try something. And I threw up an illusion they heard very clearly about 20 arrows being knocked back outside like there was like there were squads of, of people or elves. There are squads of archers out there waiting to, like, massacre them. And they came running out of that tent. It was great. That's the kind of thing I like to see in cantrips, and that's the kind of thing cantrips do. So I have no qualms in taking the 5e cantrips out of 5e and using it in my other games. In fact, I did. I've written up I've written up a PDF of it. I just took them out of the player's handbook, and it was just the wizard and the cleric's cantrips, because that's usually all I need, because I play like swords and wizardry and things like that. Now, if there are subclasses that I could benefit that could benefit from that, I will add that. I believe in swords and wizardry. There's a bard and such like that. But I think they're a fantastic addition to the game. And you know, they have the. There are certain things I don't use, like advantage disadvantage. But I will make an exception for the cantrips if they're written up that way, because it, to me at that point it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
So it's it's a if you want to write it, I'm not going to sit there and try and convert it into pluses or minuses or whatever. I'm just okay. Roll an advantage. Fine. Boom. That's it. Anyway, so that's my piece, and I'm going to go start my day. So if you want to talk to me about this, give me a give me a shout out over at oldmangrognardgmail.com. Drop me an email, or you can drop me a voicemail on Anchor, and we are monetized. So as little as ninety nine cents a month, you too can help support this program, and I would thank you. And I didn't think I could say that all in one breath, but I did. And thank you to my supporters, Oliver Shriek, Gilbert Soros, and Mark C. Walring. And don't forget to listen to Mark C. Walring's fantastic podcast, The Yawning Owlbear. And don't forget about that Kickstarter I've been talking about, Dungeons and Delvers Red Book. Looks like a very interesting system. Check it out on Kickstarter. So until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Bye.